Alright everybody, welcome to another podcast. That's right, episode 3 of Trick Has a Podcast. Name still pending, but possible permanent name. I don't know, I kind of like it. It's nice, it's good branding. Uh, we actually have a bit of a different show for you today. I don't have other side. I have brought in someone new. Uh, some would argue more handsome, but you know, don't tell the other side that. It's going to be Caldor, one of my favorite co-casters from a couple of years ago. He's here to talk about HUC and the Miami International Land. Caldor, good evening to you, right? It's, it's this afternoon for you, right? Yeah, four o'clock, exactly. Dude, thank you for coming for you. on. Look at you. You got your little command center. You're all set up. You're all perfect. Look at this production guy. Yeah, insane production value. And now that OBS <laughs> virtual cam isn't really properly working anymore, we had to dive into Discord and try and fix that. So, yeah. It looks great. You did wonderful. All right. So what I do on this show, um, as I'm trying to get my bearings and get things down, is I try to open up with a couple of questions so people can get to know the guests because maybe people don't know you. Uh, you know, may maybe I've been playing Gundam Evolution lately. Maybe some little Gundam nerd is like, who is this guy? This very muscular dude with chest hair and a bald head. Who is he? So I'm going to ask you a few questions. So you can get people to know Good. you. Question number one. Let's start with something easy, positive, a nice little light hitter. What makes Caldor happy? What makes your day? Sports. Sports? Just it, one, one out of two things. Either sports, uh -huh. like either cycling or a normal workout or just a good book. One of the two. He does love reading. I remember so many stories of Caldor reading a book at night and drinking out of a wine glass. And I was like, that is the most exciting thing I've ever heard come out of here. <laughs> I don't think the wine glass part is true. I think there was a wine glass. I'm the, pretty the Okay, here's how the wine glass part came to pass. I actually like reading in, uh, like, I like taking a bath and mm -hmm. reading. And usually I have a beer with that. And in Tim's world, it's a in wine. The moment you hear, <laughs> at the, least the eight moment... candles <laughs> and bubbles. Exactly. The moment you hear bath in your head, it's like candles, wine. <laughs> it's a whole thing. So that, that is you. I'm glad that makes you happy, Caldor, Mr. Wine and Bubbles. All right, question number two. Let's do something a little bit more negative. This is something I actually like asking people just in general. What pet peeves get under your skin? Uh, stupidity and uh, uh, people that uh, have double standards. Is it more of like, like a, triggers me hard? More like an ignorant thing, like people won't go do research, or more people just like double downing on like a dumb idea. Mm. No, I, I think it's probably more sort of the research thing. So mm -hmm. it's a little bit of, it's, it's not necessarily stupidity. It's more so people, you know, that are insanely lazy or just jump to conclusions without doing a little bit of research. And unfortunately, with all the crap over the last couple of years, there's, of course, plenty of that to go around. Sure. People that, you know, read a headline, don't go through the article, immediately jump to some conclusion and never any question anything. And if they get then continue then to like try and spread whatever it's being talked about, that really can get under my skin. People sure. that are just too lazy to a little bit of research and then cause all kinds of misunderstandings, problems, and uh, so such. So, yeah. That's something that's, that you can really tilt me with that. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's a well-known fact by now. <laughs> we used to have tons of conversations before on our way to the HEC. We're going to get to later on. But uh, yeah. the first hour, I remember if I ever wanted to have an argument with Caldor, I came prepared. Because <laughs> the man does his research. And I'm ready to cite at least something so he can go, okay, I'll look at this. And then I'll finish the discussion. Uh, and then our last question, because we always do threes here. Does it ever get tiring carrying hots on your big muscular shoulders that are well-defined that you've been working on for years on end? I mean, it's been hurting a little bit lately, <laughs> but like... <laughs> no, the game is still fun. I uh -huh. really still enjoy it, and it's cool to still cast it. It's nice that it's still around, and obviously the scene has been struggling a bit, but now we have something like the Heroes International, which mm -hmm. I 
honestly didn't think would be possible anymore after HTC. So with that, I'm pretty happy. And as long as I still have fun casting the game, I'll definitely still do that. Sure. Like personal notes aside, like there's still a soft spot for heroes for me personally. It just for years, like it, I mean, it catapulted me into where I am nowadays. So when I see someone like yourself that puts so much effort into it, I genuinely care and appreciate that you do that. So a heartfelt thank you from me. And I'm sure that is echoed by others that watch your content on a daily basis. Now, with that being said, Let's talk about the HTC, man. I actually don't know the story of Kaldor and how you got into HTC. What was the whole thing like for you? How did you come to America? Like, lay it on me. What happened for you? I think it probably started when the first Alpha was released. At the mm -hmm. time, I was living in Korea and casting StarCraft Two. God, but has it been that, that point... long since you've been in Korea? <laughs> yeah. I remember watching you on the GSL. Like, oh my God. Uh, it was in my last year in Korea, and at that point I lived roughly three years in Korea already, and the initial plan was to stay in Korea for three months. Sure. That was the initial plan. And within the first three days, it was kind of clear I would stay longer, and then I ended up staying there for three years. But back then, I was already thinking about going back to Europe, but it didn't really make a whole lot of sense with uh, the same game and, you know, going from casting the GSL than doing my own studio thing at home anymore uh, again. And then the alpha came along of uh, Heroes of the Storm, and at the time my side game was Dota 2, because I started obviously commentating and everything with Warcraft 3. Warcraft 3 birthed Dota as a game and Wait, the mobile genre. I miss a Dota? Caldor Cat? I actually had no idea. This is very new information for me. Did you do it a lot, or was it just kind of like a side gig? Uh, yeah. No, wow. I played a lot of Dota 2. Like, I played Dota 1, obviously, since I started with Warcraft. I mean, Were you that good? was inevitable. Were you like oh, a god? Okay, yeah. Yeah. No, I no, I'm not a god. You play. But okay. You, huh? I kind of want to watch you play Dota a little bit. Are you gonna I, like do any streams? No, the problem is that the I, I didn't stream it back then at all, to my knowledge. Yeah. I at least can't remember. I played a lot with friends, and a lot of them actually on the NA server. But when Blizzard brought out the first alpha of Heroes of the Storm, that was the last day that I played Dota. Interesting. I mean, I loved I loved Dota. Don't get me wrong, but there's also a lot of things that I hated about the game. Uh, things like the game's just taking too long, you know, uh, oftentimes really periods where it's kind of boring, it's just very grindy and fun, sure. depending on how the game plays out. And you had, of course, back then even also like trolls that were just farming for Divine Rapier all game long, just to like drop it at the opponent's feet first chance they get. Stuff like that. That was just really tilting and it was just something that frustrated me and Blizzard tried to target all of those pain points by making the game a little bit more fast-paced, by creating yep. objectives that force to go into the map and not just hide for 30 minutes and so uh, the day that they released the alpha that was also the day when i stopped playing dota 2 pretty much completely and that motivated me the game was fun and i liked it and uh, this was for me something where i said okay i can actually focus on that game i can switch from starcraft to that game and move back to europe so i moved back to europe and stayed in germany then for two years and during those two years i slowly transitioned then from doing still a couple of starcraft 2 tournaments over to full-time heroes yeah, and then we had the first competitions happening in Heroes. Actually, yeah. I remember you were community manager in NA back then. And back I the had day. contact with, exactly, I, I was in contact with you, uh, especially since Blizzard uh, was once again proving that they didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to the scene. I never was told that there was a European community management. 
And that community team in Europe was apparently at some point created, but we were already in contact, the two of us. And I only found out by pure coincidence that there was now a European community management team because they never contacted me. Yeah. And you were the one, I believe, who gave me a contact after I reached out to you and was like, hey, what's going on here? Like, I heard there's a community team in Europe. Like, why have these guys not, not uh, reached out at all? And then I think you facilitated that contact. Aww. Hell yeah, we, I did something right. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the first tournament was launched, the first offline tournament. And back then there was actually a bit of a drama because uh, Blizzard gave the whole organization of the first offline event and the qualifiers that led to it over to the ESL. And the ASL uh, apparently employed some intern or whatnot to run this entire thing <laughs> because they, from start to finish, pretty much fucked up everything they could possibly fuck oh, up. Oh, no. Is, fuck it, up in is there one thing in particular you remember that was like a, a big mistake or...? Yeah, I mean, there was plenty. There was a lot. I mean, the list was long, but one mm -hmm. thing in particular that triggered me is this was the biggest event for Heroes at the time, and it was supposed to launch the hype for the competitive scene. Sure. It was the first the first circuit that led to an offline event where there was also a lot of prize money involved, and the entire idea of this thing was to kick off the competitive scene, to you know make this a thing at a DreamHack, at an IEM or whatnot, and make it big. And what the ESL did with every single qualifier is they spread it out, they spread them out over several days. But what you normally do, and we're doing that at the Heroes International, we've done that in the years since, and any other esports has done the same thing. Um, you cut the bracket, so you make segments within the bracket that you cast one after another. So you don't start everything at the same time, depending on how many games you have, how many days the event is supposed to run. Just so you have a little bit of content that you can present to the viewers. You want to build viewership on the streams. You want to get people hyped for this entire thing and you want to give them a chance to see as much as possible and also get to know the teams that just now formed and emerged yeah exactly sure. and throughout all of the qualifiers and there were plenty of them uh, the esl went in and they pretty much just uh, they didn't do anything of that so they had us cast two games on the first day and then two games on the on the second day which was obviously ridiculous because it meant you had a broadcast that was running for like two hours and by the time the first people knew it was live it was already offline again. yeah and we kept telling them, it's like, listen, guys, you can't do that. Like, that's not how it's done. Like, I don't know why you're making these mistakes because you've done this with other games and you should know how it's working. And I believe after the third qualifier and they still continue doing it and gave us always, you know, bullshit excuses after we pointed it out to them, I lost my shit. And I started How yelling at people. losing his <laughs> shit over something esports related? What? Unheard. Unheard. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, so yeah, I lost my shit and I started yelling at people in Skype and I was like, the fuck is this like, clown show and got really mad because I was super passionate about the game and I was so frustrated that I continuously kept getting the feedback from community that they missed games, that they didn't see a certain team play, that they didn't even know what's going on because the ASL just didn't take this seriously. Mm. You could really tell that they didn't care. And so uh, uh, what only ended up with Blizzard was at the time then, oh, Caldo is difficult again. Sure. Uh, yeah. And then they, as a as a punishment for me, they didn't invite me to the offline event. Yeah. Which back then was kind of nuts because that was, I think, a year in. 
And uh, in this entire year, I've literally been the only one commentating esports continuously in Europe. And so, and then they were like, you know what? Um, yeah, you dished a shit ton, but you were mean to people that didn't do their job right. So now you can't go to the event. That seems to be uh, like a, a reoccurring theme that happens a lot in esports. And uh, you can either double down like Caldor and just be like, I'm just going to do so much work that you can't ignore me. Or you kind of like float in a line, right? And it's kind of a hard thing to do because like, yeah. ultimately what it comes from is you just care. Like you just want a good show to go on you see it in your own personal stream and whatnot I, I wish there was a better chance for like dialogue in most scenarios because like a lot of small companies i mean it's not a small company but hc was treated as kind of small they just kind of like try to push out the people that are problems but once you do that you're pushing away audiences that care about the game and that eventually hurts it right like it's not a, it's not a good call i mean honestly if that would have happened in one of my tournaments uh, my first question as uh, someone responsible would have been is he right Mm -hmm. And then if it turns out, yes, the person that uh, that maybe overreacted has a point, has made that point multiple times, has given normal feedback, and then it just at some point lost their shit, then you know you can talk to them and can say like, hey, look, uh, you have a point there. They screwed this up. It's at the end of the day their mistake, but you also overreacted. And you know, then you can have like a discussion around it. Sure. But the way that Blizzard handled it was, in my opinion, pretty weak. Uh, I have to give credit to the Blizzard community team, on the other hand, because they came in and they said, like, hey, we know what esports did to you, and that uh, that's screwed up. They should have never done that, and that's not okay. Uh, but we're going to get you to the event anyways. We're going to fly you in. You can't commentate, and we're sorry for that. We have no influence on this, yeah. but at least you're going to be on site. Did and you use that opportunity I... to kind of, like, bridge the gap a little bit and try to talk to people, or was it just more of, like, you went and hung out and... Stayed with the hot community. I went and hung out. I talked to a couple of the esports people involved there. I knew some of them already from mm -hmm. uh, StarCraft 2. Um, but that was honestly one of the moments where I thought about uh, like stopping heroes completely. I remember I that, having yeah. a conversation with my dad back then and saying, like, on the one hand, I like this. But on the other hand, I don't know if I want to work with a company that is that does stuff like that. And again, I was by far the one and only person that commentated for an entire year every single event non-stop like throughout sure. the week in europe and then you know just getting denied on the most important event uh for for something like that that was pretty tilting but that was pretty much like the start of it and uh the community made a big stink back then as well they were also super pissed uh, because they were saying hey what the hell is this yeah there were then people commentating that didn't even know the talents and such so a lot of people were very very angry and that was not the first thing where Blizzard kind of screwed up with me a little bit. Uh, that one was, again, they, here at this point you can uh, argue it was maybe to an extent justified, but there sure. were other things where they just made massive mistakes, not only with me, but with others, so they had already a bit of a bad track record. But the game was still fun, and they kept moving forward with that, and then HTC slowly came in. And I still remember that uh, the person who was responsible for HTC I believe I met him the first time in at an event in Korea after that. And uh, <laughs> he introduced himself to me. And that was, I think, the third or fourth person that I've known that was responsible for Heroes Esports. And he gave me the usual spiel. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I just heard blah, 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 oh blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I, I literally told him that. And yeah. I told him, like, dude, look, you seem like a nice guy. 
and I believe that you have good intentions, but you have to understand me here. I heard the same crap from the four people already, and after three months, they're gone again, and I talked to another person yeah, that tells me the exact same thing. So, so you're a number quick update four for right those now. listening. There was a revolving door for esports. There was constant people being promoted. I know that um, originally when Heroes started, there was a lot of people that were in positions of power to make decisions, like Caldor's talking about here, but they moved to Hearthstone. They moved to Overwatch. They, remember, the Overwatch League was popping up. So Heroes was constantly being cannibalized with talent or people that were in position because yeah. they were trying to get them in positions that Blizzard saw was bigger than Heroes. So that's why that happened. But anyways, continue your story. Yeah. Just wanted to give the listeners yeah. an idea. So at that point, I just told him that straight up. I was like, look, I don't want to be mean here, but I've had this now. You're, you're number four. Mm-hmm. So I believe you have good intentions. If it actually turns out, I'm going I'm to fight alongside you and do whatever you need me to do to make this work. But at the same time, I believe it when I see it. Because yeah. You don't want to get your heart broken again. Now. I get that. Yeah. It's just like, I'm going to do my thing. If you can at any point help and we can work together, it's amazing, uh, but I'm not going to hold my breath. And then he at some point really delivered and brought HGC to life. And uh, then there was a question of, okay, uh, who is going to commentate that? How was your interviews? I I have to know this. You you get to do your next point, but I want to talk about interviews a little bit. I want to hear what happened for you. Now, with the interview, so um, I was interviewed about the spot, and uh, they pretty much said, okay, the only – like. At the end of the day, I was the most experienced caster in Europe doing this game. I had the biggest audience by far. I've been doing it ever since the first alpha. I've been running tournaments when you couldn't even host custom games, when we had to just let the top teams queue at the same time and then let the matchmaking, you know, match them against each other. And then they sent me the replays and I commentated the replays. Mm -hmm. So that's how we ran the first few tournaments. So on all these accounts, you know, there was no problem. And from the beginning, I knew that this ESL thing would pop up again. And I simply addressed it the same way that I talked to you about it. I said, like, look, guys, you can either say, like, hey, this was an issue, but uh, but no matter who you're going to talk with, you will have people that hate me. You will have people that will tell you straight up uh, that I'm outspoken and that they don't like the way that I'm voicing my things, but you will never hear at any point that my feedback wasn't justified. Yeah, I, like, what I respected w- about you so much as a community manager, when I was community managing, is you would always reach out and be like, listen, I'm furious. I'm just going to lay this out and I'm open to feedback. And I think that's like the most important thing that you did as a creator. Because some people come in and they say, I'm pissed and they don't give any feedback. They give no constructive criticism. So it feels like a little bit on the lost side. So I always respect that about you. Like you may have had in some people's eyes, anger issues or frustration issues or whatever, but it was always justified at a point of like, I just care about this game. Let's make this better. And that always felt nice, you know? Yeah, with the devs, it was the same. Like, yeah. I had a lot of stuff where I was just like, look, this is, why is this a thing? This is stupid. And I explained why. And I remember a conversation that I had with one of the head devs for Heroes at some point, And he came in and said, hey, listen, uh, lay it on me. And I started and I just unleashed. And then he went through my points and explained to me a couple of things. And I was just like, all right, that makes I sense. can understand that. Yeah. I'm not happy about it. I'm, I, I still don't like it, but at least now I have a reason. You gave me something that I didn't know before, and I can work with this. I can help you try and fix this. Uh, maybe I can do something to make your life a little bit easier as well, but as long as you work with me and explain to me what's going on here, then I have no issue with that. And I pretty much laid that out in that interview for HGC as well and told them from the beginning, as long as you're straight with me and... We're not going to have a problem here, and I'm going to do exactly the same that I do on my own stream. I'm going to pull as hard as I can and do as much work as I possibly can in order to make this work. And obviously, there were only a couple of uh, candidates also for Europe. I think there was like four or five different ones. Yeah. Uh, moving is also an issue. Do you want to move? Yes or no? 
at the time I was already thinking about moving anyways, not to the US, but I was back then uh, living in Germany. And I was thinking about moving to the south of Europe because I was like, well, I can work from wherever I want. Maybe I want to move a bit to a warmer climate. Then this entire uh, HTC opportunity came along. And I always wanted to live also in the US for a shorter period of time just to experience a bit. At that point, I already lived in Australia for a year. I lived in uh, several places in Europe and I, of course, lived in Korea for three. So uh, going to the US was still one of those things that I had on my list a little bit where I was like, hey, it would be nice to also experience that. And uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I then got the uh, got the job. In the beginning, there was a bit of a problem. It was, I think, 2016, 2017. Yeah, 16. Uh, got a little bit tricky with the visa because they had me on an artist visa. There was certain criteria you had to fulfill. So it took a little bit longer, which means I joined, I think, two or three months yeah, after I guess the it was galore, started. Yeah, because it was for like six months, I think, yeah. or the first season. No, no, I think three or so. Yeah, like, it was like the sure. first portion and then you came in. Yeah. And then uh, the visa and everything uh, came through, and uh, yeah, then I moved over, met you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting because, like, um, I was wondering about your interview a little bit because I don't know if they asked you about me or anything because uh, they constantly kept asking me about you. They were like, can you handle casting with Caldor? And I'm like, handle? What do you mean? And they're like, I don't know. Do you know him? He's a, he's a little bit on the aggressive side. I'm like, I talk with him. I'm a community manager. Like, of course. Like, what's going to happen? Do you think we're going to get into a fight on broadcast or something? Dude, the funniest <laughs> thing, there's two things that I just wanted. The funniest things to me is that people are always coming in there like, uh, this guy can't cast with other people because he does so much solo casting. You, and I'm always you just thinking, run your own shit. Like, <laughs> it's not that complicated. But I'm always thinking, like, do you guys understand that from the entire esports scene in this world, I'm probably in the top 10 of people that casted with the most other co-casters. Sure. I mean, I, literally, you know, with Korea, with all of the German casting in Europe, Warcraft 3, Starcraft 2, Heroes of the Storm, it's just like, I, I understand how people sometimes might get that impression because you do a lot of solo casting. But how people after now nearly 20 years of casting with like dozens and dozens of other people still don't understand that is weird to me. But, but now that you say that, it's kind of funny. Do you remember the first time that we actually met in the, uh, um, not at the hotel, but in the, in the, on our first show in the dressing room? You remember that story? Remind me. What's the story? Let's hear it. I, I don't really remember exactly what happened. So the two of us are getting makeup uh -huh. and getting our, and getting our, uh, our suits on. And we were bantering around a little bit, but it was still pretty hesitant, right? Like we sure. didn't really know each other probably, so it was just a little bit, yeah. And at some point, uh, you said something, and I jokingly said, I'm going to punch you. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I remember that. Didn't the, didn't the crew, like, hey, is, is that okay? <laughs> I think people came to me afterwards. No, no, no. You, you turned around and go, why would you punch me? And I'm just like, <laughs> I meant that as a joke. <laughs> Yeah, because those are the, staring the, at you. It's like, what the hell? Those are things Why do you like think this is serious. That's funny because those are things like in America. Like, I haven't heard that phrase. I'm gonna punch you since like middle school, right? Things like that. So, like, <laughs> especially in California, because California is more more left than um, yeah, yeah, most yeah. of the uh, the United States. So, um, usually you don't usually say things like that in a public or work setting. So, I, I was probably joking around with you, but I could see why. Like, I probably looked shocked because I haven't heard that in forever. That's that's hilarious. I remember the story that I always tell is like the day, day we decided not to play Heroes together anymore was when I played Brightwing and you were just so furious about it. <laughs> First Holo, you and Brightwing, was I Genji? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. But so yeah. like I picked a Genji and I was like, well, here's my thought process. If he comes in, we just play more for Emerald when we kill him. And then like we had like two potatoes on our team or whatever that just couldn't do damage. And you just looked at me and you're like, Brightwing is not the pick. And I'm like, I guess we don't play together anymore. <laughs> 
Like, it's okay to have, like, confrontations. Like, that stuff, like, one, creates chemistry for commentators. Like, I think a lot of people forget that when you're doing commentary, you don't want people to be like-minded. It becomes a very boring routine cast over and over. You want to have people that kind of butt heads a little bit because the game has so many ways to play. That's, like, the beauty in Heroes, right? There's so many different angles you can go through. And while you might think Brightwing shit for three years, there are, to me, I'm like, that's damage mitigation. That's something there, you know? And that makes a fun dialogue. And I think a lot of people miss out on that. Yeah, and there was also, I mean, honestly, it was always like that 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 banter that was just flowing so well because we came from two completely different sides on this. Uh, I I, <laughs> I still remember what was that? The, I have the clip somewhere on my drive, but one of my best moments where where I, where I could shut you up with a line, which didn't really happen a whole lot. Um, the, do you remember the cake line? No, no, I don't. <laughs> we were arguing about cake at some point, and then you were talking about wedding cake, and I, and I just like turned around and tell you, we're not gonna get that as our wedding cake or something <laughs> like that. And you just looked at me, and you didn't know what to say. And I, I was like, nothing. Got him. <laughs> I'll play. I think, uh, I think the the commentary between us did a lot. I think it softened you up a little bit. It also got hardened me up a little bit, which I appreciate. Like, I feel like I learned a lot of stuff from yeah. you and your culture, and just like say what you mean, just get it done. Like, what's the point? of like meandering and like doing a compliment sandwich or whatnot um it's gotten to a point where like some people are like hey you've changed a little bit but i like like how you approach subjects so i appreciate that from you as a person in general so thank you for that yeah no no like honestly like from all the people that i uh, had contact with in the us you're probably still my favorite person and uh, we obviously as you said a very different personality but I could always talk to you and I never had the, the, the problem that I had with a lot of people that I met is that they were very like fake and artificial, you know, they were very just like, uh, you would talk to them and they would just give you the normal, like polite spiel, but you sure. would realize that they didn't really mean what they said. And after the two of us just like had a couple of talks uh, and I told you, just be straight with me. You just, if you didn't want to do something, you just told me, no, you didn't give me some bullshit excuse. You didn't give me some like, sure. whatever. You just told me like, no, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, all right, then let's not do it. And <laughs> it's that was just, that, that was for me, that was just like, nice because I was like, okay, if I really need feedback from somebody, I need, uh, I need anything and an honest opinion. I can always come to you. And if I'm not quite sure if I handle a situation correctly or if I should have reacted a different way, I can talk to you. And if you think that I screwed up, you would just straight up tell me and not give me some crap that I can't you know, get anything from. Sure. So I feel like there was always a good sounding board for me coming in with a different approach and knowing also that uh, a lot of people thought I was very abrasive. But when after uh, such a situation, I could talk to you and say like, hey, listen, I don't think I did anything wrong here. Do you think I approached this the wrong way? What do you think I should have done differently? And just have a sound board that would give me an honest opinion back and not just, you know, like, no, no, whatever, it's fine. So, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for that, because I also agree with that. Like, just because when I came over to Europe, I had a complete, absolute fear of, like, not being accepted into Europe, just straight up, because, like, I went for the North American job at first. I was like, I want to cast North American heroes. I play with them daily in Storm League. I get their play styles, etc. Like, I, I can watch their scrims, and I want them to do well. And um, that was immediately off the table, because there were other casters that were probably more equipped for me. And... um Europe was offered to me, and then, of course, after I agreed that I would cast with the scary Caldor, the boogeyman, uh, that we could uh, make it work. And you were always helpful. I think you and Bakery were the first two that were like, here's how it is. Here's what you need to do. Here's about our way that we play the game. Um, you can either accept it or not, but you need to understand it, period. And that was very, very helpful to have that, like, very grounded moment. And I think we both kind of grew a lot from that. So I want to echo that sentiment back to you. 
because uh, you were so darn helpful, man. You really were. And uh, I feel like I learned a lot as a commentator. And it's changed me as a person straight up in the last few years. And part of that is because of you. So thank you. I'll give you one more. Uh, just about casting with you, it was interesting because uh, one of the guys that I cycled with here mm. in, in Spain, he was a professional uh, swimmer, a semi-professional swimmer for the national team, and he switched sports now. And he, because he comes from that competitive angle, when he like heard what I do as, a, uh, as my job, he was pretty much asking me, okay, like, do you train for this in any way? Like, yeah. how do you approach this? So he immediately wanted to know, like, what do you do to get better there? And a lot if of I work. do some dry runs or whatnot. And I pretty much just told him that at this point, I don't do that anymore because I cast so much that pretty much the live casting is my training. And if I want to do something new and try something, then I do it live and then I see the reactions. But he, he was really interested in it. So I thought about it a little bit. And the one thing that I realized is that I don't think outside of maybe the last half year, the last year with Wolf casting StarCraft in Korea, I don't think I've ever tried with anyone else that I ever casted with to work specifically on making in, like certain situations happen within a commentary or better than with you. And that was something yes. that I absolutely loved that at an event that we would like sit together and we would be like, all right, what can we do? Is there anything that we can try anything cool where we can try and bounce the ball off each other in a bit of a different way? And then we would just sit down in the hotel room, go over a couple of replays and be like, okay, if that situation at any point occurs, let's try and approach it this way. If it doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen. But if it ha if, if any chance is there, let's try that out and uh, let's see if that works. And we had several moments where it actually worked so perfectly well and i just remember that glee in that situation yeah. we just nailed it yeah the crowd reacting to it and i was just like damn son that was awesome and i i don't think i ever had that with any other commentator so yeah, I, I really hope pretty brilliant with you the heroes community kind of appreciated that um because I, I feel like we did kind of push the envelope a lot uh it was really hard for us because like we had a hard time getting feedback from anybody kind of going back to your point earlier yes when we would talk to anybody on the hcc side or the hero side you're doing fine you're doing great and we're like yes but we want to improve like one of my biggest problems and why i kind of walked away from hcc towards the end of 2018 like before it was canceled i was pretty much thinking about leaving anyways is because i couldn't get feedback it was so weird to go from working with blizzard and having a dialogue back and forth to like being shut out almost to a degree and never getting in for information about how much we're getting better. At the beginning of 2018, um, you and I had a conversation, uh, I think maybe a little bit more me, uh, with the people that were in charge and we're like, we want to cast the BlizzCon finals. We've been passed on two years. We feel like we're really, really good at this. Any feedback is appreciated. We're going to be working toward that goal all year. We're going to cast every tournament. We're going to go to everything to make sure that we are the number one casters going in. And um, the entire time, all the way through, they're like, yeah, we hear you. We get you. We understand you. And then, of course, the, the, the big announcement came to us via email. I don't know if we want to get into that, but that we wouldn't be the casters for the grand finals of BlizzCon. And uh, that yeah, was they very lied to me. The, at the beginning of the year, I had a conversation, yeah. and they said, you two are locked for BlizzCon yeah. finals. You are locked. And uh, it's like, this is undisputable. And so, yeah, we were totally light on. And we, uh, we worked hard and everything. Point. And that stuff, yeah. like, really, it dug deep at me. Like, a game that I put five years into yeah. my life into. But like, ugh. This was a general thing. I remember that we were oftentimes at offline events where we would pull casters in from other regions that were not on the regular HTC gig, and they asked for feedback, and we were asked to give feedback. Yeah, and we I had to study and write hours, the feedback forum. Yes, I spent hours writing feedback and having that, and then passing it on to Blizzard. Uh, and I remember that one of those casters actually contacted me afterwards, and I was like, dude, listen, um, I, 
I know you're sometimes a little bit harsh with everything, but like, can you give me some feedback on this? And I was like, but I gave feedback. I've already given it to people. Yeah. And like, I, I passed it on to Blizzard and uh, they told me like, well, I didn't get anything. They just said like, oh yeah, you were doing great, but I know I didn't do great. I had problems in this cast with you. I had this there. So can you give me feedback? And I was just always asking, okay, do you want me to be totally blunt and you're not going to get offended and i'm going to lay out exactly what i think where you did wrong and i'm going to tell you exactly where i think you were great and then you can just take it that and every single one of them just wanted to know the hard truth yeah where are my where are my problem points where did you perceive to be a problem i think people generally want to get better like they don't want to yeah, yeah, yeah. they exactly. generally want to do a good job because one our main feedback as casters, at least when I was casting all the time, is fucking Twitch chat. Do you know how awful that is for anybody to read Twitch chat as feedback? There are people that type Dixler all day when I was gaining weight. They don't give me anything tangible to work on in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. So, like, it, people actually want to have that. And I, I wonder sometimes if Blizzard or that revolving door we were talking about earlier of people coming in and being in different leaderships, if they were just afraid to, like, lay down the law. Like, just because they didn't feel like they had enough composure at Blizzard yeah. or something like that. Because it felt so weird to never get that feedback. Yeah, uh, and it's also but... a little bit strange because people are always, like, arguing about, like, how you should take feedback. Mm. And the problem is always the same. If I have a rando in Twitch chat or on Twitter just, like, yelling at me, A, that's not feedback. Yeah. If someone comes in and is like, hey, listen, asshole, like, then it's all, and then they, you know, they, then they, you just ignore it. And then they say, like, oh, this guy doesn't like feedback. It's like, first of all. You didn't give feedback. You bitched at me. That's a different thing. Second, if you give me feedback, you're still a random person that I don't know anything about and I don't know how serious to take To follow that you. up real quick, we went through a fan war. We, we kept asking and asking and asking for feedback, and they started actually applying people that were in QA to watch the Twitch streams, and they would give us the Twitch feedback as feedback. And we would be like... I remember that. Yeah, and we would be like, what do we say to this? This guy fucking hates me. He said for the last nine weeks, I actually went out into a couple of them and I reached out to them via DMs and I'm like, what do you hate about my commentary? I'm open. And they're like, I don't like your voice. And I'm like, I can't fix that. Like, I don't know what you want yeah, from yeah. me. Like, oh my no, gosh. So what I always did is when I read something, like most of the feedback, even when you get it, you immediately know if it's just useless or, mm -hmm. uh, or if you can deal with it. But most of the time when I read something, where I was just like, huh. Maybe that person has a point. I'm not sure that might be something to it. Like it, Then I would go take that and go to somebody that I know, present them with that. And it's like, listen, this is what somebody said. Can you check my next two casts and just see, do you think sure. that person has a point or not? But that would always be the go-to. Like when randos present you with feedback, they might, like, again, you don't ne you never know if you're arguing with a 12-year-old or if you're arguing with somebody that has exactly. really your best, yeah. you know, your best, uh, best things, intentions at, at heart. So I would always like think about which feedback might have a point and then pass that on to people that I trusted and ask them to verify. That was always the best way to go about it because as you said, getting proper feedback from somebody that also has, let's say, an experience, like a background in casting or at least... Uh, in competitive play or whatever it is was super super difficult it's just in broadcasting and, in general because we yeah. did have one person come in and he gave us so much in the span of like 30 minutes that we got to work on like our rap casting yeah. or whatever uh came yeah. from that because he was like oh i, I kind of like that that you guys do this can you do it more often and we're like fuck yes we can uh things like that you know just anything that has any weight to it it's huge yep yep 100 percent. no well, but that, that that was definitely uh, yeah, that, that was that was pretty interesting and also like something that we struggled with for a long time to get good feedback and also who you can give feedback because there's a lot of people that just don't want to hear it. Yeah, but there's some people who are just like, don't don't talk to me like that. It's it's a really weird thing. Like casting is very competitive, but also like 
it's also a wild west to a degree like people are always fighting for a job so people don't want to help each other and it's, it's almost like an anti-teamwork thing that's why i kind of was excited um when we did have dread gillyweed yourself and me usually get into group settings or whatnot because there was like a form of camaraderie there like a little bit of a teamwork um especially going into 2018 i remember uh, a couple of you took a, a a pay decrease so i could have my pay come up because i was like the lowest paid caster out of all of us and we wound up having group yes. paying and whatnot which in hindsight was kind of fucked up that you guys had to like take a paycheck drop just to like make sure that i can get some decent money too but like it, it was still like a, a good sign to me that you guys cared about the group and you guys always put the group first in some degree for me, that was a bit of a ridiculous argument in the first place. In the first year, you could have made that argument, okay, this person gets a bit more because they have like mm -hmm. a bigger following, uh, they have more experience. But after we've all commentated together for like two years, and then they came in and said that, I was just like, yeah, no. Yeah. We're going to do that uh, like on eye level, or we're not going to do that at all. We're a team and period. So at that point, uh, that justification made just zero sense anymore. So that was just, I mean... In hindsight, it was maybe a budgeting normal. thing, but still, like, it was just another one yeah. of those things. It's like, are we a real organization or not? Are we just kind of, like, fumbling through this? Uh, anyways, before we get too negative, because we could go for hours on that, let's move on. What was your favorite moment from HGC? What, what actually gleefully, every time you think about it, just makes you happy that it happened? The two MSB finals with you. Yeah. Those, I was going to say the same thing. Like, <laughs> like that Those was... were stellar. Like, not only because the games were amazing, but it, because that's where we put into action the stuff that we just referenced uh, five minutes ago, where we were sitting down thinking about what can we do in the finals to make them epic? What kind of stuff could we pull off if it comes to a core race? What could we do if it comes to like that moment? And uh, all of those things that we were trying to pull off, they worked. Yeah. And we got opportunities to test them out. And I still remember how after both finals, I was just like on cloud nine and it was just amazing. Yeah, Miss Season Brawl is definitely my favorite memory for the moments that you mentioned as well. Also because I think it's one of my like only moments that I got into an argument <laughs> with people on the production staff. Uh, remember we had to do the All-Stars cast on like Friday night or whatever. And yes. it's like, it's like yes. past 11 o'clock. We're exhausted. And there's like, go up there and just be you. Have fun. And I went there and I had fun. And I made a joke about double penetration because Rainer had d penetrating rounds and he got two of them. And I was like, it was Mane in particular. I was like, Mane performs a double penetration on his opponent. And everyone that was like on production immediately came up in the middle of the cast was like, you cannot talk like that in any way, shape or form. And I was like, say what I said was wrong. Like, I knew but like i was like in a confrontational mode and i was like what i say and no one would say anything about what i did wrong i was like if you can't talk to me like an adult like i'm fucking annoyed uh so I, that's uh, that's the one thing i look back on and i'm like did i fuck up us for blizzcon because no, it's, it's of that statement too i remember that at the same event we did the thing with the black eye you remember that? The black eye. What was the black eye thing? Okay, so uh, back then, Brightwing was not as uh, was was still was more useless than today. So actually useless. <laughs> but Gilly was always a Brightwing fan. Sure. So we were on the analyst panel, and uh, we Brightwing was picked and stuff. So we go into a break and Gilly and I were just like bantering around before we were heading into the break about the Brightwing pick and everybody knew that I hated Brightwing and that really Gilly loves Brightwing. And so uh, during the break, it was like a, a 10 minute break. I was like, wouldn't it be funny if we would come back and I had a black eye and we would make a, make a sketch out of you hitting me during the break, you know, like small sure. Gilly and me like buffed up there on the... On, uh, on the thing so we asked production and they were like hey this is an amazing idea let's do that 
So we went to our makeup artist and she actually painted a black eye for me. Yeah. And then we went back on camera and I was like standing there, you know, shoulders hunched, my head down a little bit and Gilly with her arms crossed, looking at me like all mad. And uh, she's being like, say one more bad thing about bribing, <laughs> something like that. And I'm sure. like, I'm so sorry. And it was the funniest shit ever. And everybody was laughing their ass off. And then somebody uh, in the Blizzard office, again, we, 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 we okayed it with production. Mm -hmm. And somebody in the Blizzard office then gave us the exact same spiel that you got. It's like, you can't do that. You're making light of domestic abuse. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> we, we, we made a joke. It's like Gilly, who's half my weight, half my size, like, like punching me. And everybody got Over the joke. Because it's, it, yeah. it's been a running gag for a year between us. Mm -hmm. So like... Yeah, it's like don't be too oversensitive. I get like especially since we were in Sweden, you know. Sure. In Sweden, they say they say fuck on the radio. I mean, <laughs> give me a break. Yeah, I mean, some things it's just. I I think Blizzard sometimes a little bit too worried about insulting people, but it's like maybe <laughs> in hindsight, maybe they should have kind of focused those efforts on the internal stuff that was going on before looking at maybe. us. Uh, but yeah, things like that. It's just, it was draining. But you know, when it comes down to like HCC, I, I'm glad it happened. I mean, I got a really good friendship out of it with you. Um, the other casters as well are just people that like, I always keep an eye on, you know, Gilly and Dredd are doing their thing up in Minnesota, living their life, running things, you know, Jay House running YouTube and whatnot. I'm so happy that everyone's kind of moved on or improved and that you get to keep doing what you love. Like you keep running the heroes train it's so awesome to see you still out here supporting a game that you know some of us maybe uh don't put as much effort into uh, especially myself so um real quick uh before let's wrap up this whole hcc conversation so we can talk about the heroes international in miami next week uh the conclusion of hcc um i think some of us kind of knew that something weird was going on but i don't think anyone actually knew that it was going to be done what was like that whole experience for you because I, I think we had like our own side of conversations there was a lot of frustration but now that's sat for a few years I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on the end of it all? I mean, pretty much the same that it was back then. I was really, uh, like, we knew that with budgets were always a bit tricky, but there were ways I feel how they we could have approached this a bit. And again, Blizzard was just, in my opinion, afraid to make the difficult decisions. One thing that should have been done a long time before that was to just let all the minor regions go. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, I, I, I want minor region competition. I want teams from those areas. But if it becomes a question of whether we have the money or not, then we just needed to make the choice, okay, we just focus on the main three regions and that's it because anything else is just not feasible right now sure. so decisions like that could have been made a little bit earlier that alone wouldn't have saved it but if you make 10 of those then maybe you're you know, taking a step in the right direction what annoyed me probably the most out of all of this was not that they said okay this isn't really working for us anymore but that they lied to everybody for that long yeah that's probably what annoyed me the most because there's people that delayed uh, university by another year that maybe put off a job that they could have taken instead. For uh, me, it was also really important because it's a question of moving back to Europe, you know, so it's not like you just can just simply turn around and take a different job or whatnot. It's immediately, okay, then I have to then have to move again. And that's, of course, a big thing. So this dragging it out for ages and in the meantime, telling people, oh, no, it's going to be fine, it's going to be fine, and just lying to people consistently and dropping that shortly before Christmas, the way that it's been done is probably what what annoyed me the most with it, and it was especially disrespectful to all of the players that invo were involved there. And I remember how for weeks players were just asking, like, "Hey, what's going on? I have to decide yeah. whether I go to university or whether I do that." 
the teams that qualified for HGC. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You're fighting for two years to make it into the pro circuit, and then you finally make it, and then uh, the, nothing is told. And after a few weeks of being told, yeah, bye bye. So that that was insane to me. Like I, that was just not okay. Yeah, it it just straight up sucked. I think for uh, a lot of people. I know those people that were talking just to clear the the air and the, the record, the folks that were saying that, yes, there was going to be another see, I think they legitimately believed that there was going to be another year. I don't think that there was a mandate to end it all uh, until a few days before we found out. Because um, I think we even had a conversation, uh, well, not the name drop, but we had a conversation who was like a lead esports, and she believed that it was still going to go on, and we talked about our struggles for the year and whatnot, because... Um, we had a, a kind of a big blow up with the whole BlizzCon thing, so I had to talk to somebody about it, and we got that meeting, and you know she believed it was going to happen. So, um, I, it's just an unfortunate circumstance, and it was one of the things that kind of made that loyalty to Blizzard that I think so many people had, including myself, just completely drop. Um, yeah. Ever ever since then, like every Blizzard game that comes out now, I'm just like, eh, maybe I'll check it out. No. I, don't, I don't know. It's weird. Uh, like I, I used to be all about it, and nowadays, yeah. like I can't even look them in the eye. It feels weird. I will try Diablo 4 and that's it. Yeah. Like I have no ambitions to do anything else. And this is coming from somebody that since 1999, uh, no, before even, has been like a Blizzard fanboy. And in hindsight, this is also what probably led to a lot of pain because I, I mean, again, now in hindsight, I should not have been as loyal to Blizzard over the years yeah. as I was. And a lot of that was just the nostalgia and the, and remembering how Blizzard was one of the first companies that really invested in esports, that continuously patched games even years after they were out, because that was unheard of back then. Yeah, the culture was, always was different. Like this yeah, there was this battle between Command and Conquer back then and Warcraft. And one of the reasons why Command and Conquer lost that big time is because after a while they just stopped supporting the game because it wasn't done. That was not something that people were really super interested in. Whereas Blizzard would just deliver patches and would always make sure you know that the competitive scene could thrive. And then with everything that happened with StarCraft in Korea started to really go more or less all in on that. And uh, that that made a lot of goodwill on my end where I was always, even when something was going badly saying like, yeah, it's fine, but it's still blizzard. And, uh, yeah, I was pretty late to realize that the blizzard that I grew up with and loved and had a lot of loyalty for just didn't exist any longer. Well, the good news, even with, uh, you know, blizzard kind of folding in on itself and losing all these orgs, they dropped so much money into it is the community is still fighting and breathing. And you, along with uh, Kevin, actually are part of this big thing that's happening next weekend, actually, the Heroes International in Miami. Uh, I know that you've been working closely with Kevin, so I'm sure you can probably speak uh, for him or even for yourself. What are the goals for this event? Like, wh what are you guys trying to do with this? Do you want to make it a yearly thing? Is it more of just like, let's just have fun with heroes right now? Like, what's up with you guys? You're bringing in Michael Udall. You're bringing in a fan. It seems like a big deal. Yeah, so the entire thing was pretty much birthed after the Miami event in February. Mm -hmm. That was the first event that, uh, that Kevin hosted. And <laughs> it was kind of funny because... I Kevin is insane. The man is a Heroes of the Storm he fan of the heroes. first hour. And he is uh, Sylvanas one trick and has, I think, on his main account, 7,000 games on Sylvanas. Jesus Sylvana Christ. Like oh, I did not know that about him. <laughs> <laughs> Today we learned. The funny thing is we had in uh, one of the breaks we had at the event back then, we had a game between the European top team 
and a mixed team where Kevin was also on the mixed team. And I still remember that De Quasa was commenting on uh, uh, Kevin Silvanas because he's like, I can't catch this guy. <laughs> he was just jumping around with Silvanas and his timings were so, so great uh, that even De Quasa was just like, I can't catch this kid. This is annoying as hell. And uh, Kevin was super proud of this. So Kevin is just like a massive fan of esports. He has the land center, which allows us to do all of these things in the first place. And yeah, he's, he's amazing. And very much also, you know, like, no bullshit, just like, tell yeah. me straight what the problem is, and then we're going to attack that problem, we're going to fix that, uh, what can we do here, what can we do there, like, absolutely no nonsense, and I love that, makes it super easy to work with him, and also makes us vibe really well, yeah. so when we're organizing something, it usually, you know, it's just like, flows, we can talk directly to each other, there's no time wasted, it's just like, this is shit, this is shit, this is good, this is good, let's fix that, let's improve here, and it's tons of fun, but... Yeah, with uh, the European team obviously coming over to the event back then, it was the only uh, European team that came. Uh, everybody else was uh, from NA. It added that little bit of international competition. And he always wanted to do something uh, small, like an international tournament. Yeah. And we had some other Heroes of the Storm fans that were also at the event, as it turned out, that they were, were talking to us, were saying like, hey, we would like to support an effort like this to make this an international event as well. And I mean, you know how it goes. Like, normally you hear something and you're just like, yeah, yeah, sure, you do. Sure. So yeah. it's, it's not really, you know, normally it's just like blah, blah. It's just like words. And most of the time there's like no really follow through. And it's just like falls apart then but they were totally serious about it and uh, kevin was super hyped about this it was like hey let's try and get set something up so we got together and started to plan it and the idea then was just to have an international competition bring the best teams from the three major regions over and in an ideal world make sure that this is going to become a regular thing or maybe yearly thing so I can't promise that this is going to happen. I think we are on a really good path for the first event. The qualifiers were great. We have amazing teams that are coming there. Uh, the crowdfunding has been going really well too, which shows that the community has an interest in supporting an international event as well, which is quite important because yeah. as you can imagine, it costs a ton. I mean, it we're does. talking about eight teams that are being flown over, that uh, the flights are paid for, the accommodation is paid for. Then you have to also get a lot more hardware equipment to just make that broadcast better. Uh, since when we had the event in February at the land center, it was great, it was amazing games, but there were also a lot of things where we said, okay, next time we need to improve this. This is maybe not good enough. What can we do to uh, get more player cameras in, uh, to get more interviews going? What can we do to get a higher production level on, on pretty much on all fronts? And all of this stuff just costs money and that's something where the community has just said, okay, we're gonna chip in here too. And for a lot of them, there was also a little bit of a risk because we got the feedback a lot that people were a little bit jaded by what happened with the CCL and them just canceling their sure. land. Yeah. And so we had a lot of people approach us and be like, hey, on the one hand, I really want to support this. On the other hand, I've just been burned by them lying to us and uh, I'm a little bit torn here. And I think what went a long way is also that over the years, I... I mean, again, for all the negative things that I have on my reputation, the one good thing is that usually, like, if I promise something, I deliver. Or at least yeah, I try it'll get to. Done. So, yes. So I think that helped us a lot with it. But it was really awesome to see, like, how much the community was also behind this. I mean, the entire effort there is still going on. Then we could get you in, you know, we could, as you said, get Michael Udal in, Fan now as well. Um, yeah, and it's, I mean, it's going to be amazing. Hazu, for example, he also tweeted about it. He was just like, I can't believe that I'm going to another international yeah, that's exciting. Heroes event. 
that was... all of these guys that I thought I would never see again will be there too. So it's just nice to see that we're not the only ones excited about it. But yeah, just just casting with you in an offline event is going to be so much I'm fun for me. So hyped to cast yeah. with you again, man! I'm there to support you to the best way that I can, yeah. and just yell stuff into the mic. And I'll echo the sentiments about Kevin, like. I like that he's no BS or whatever. Because I, I told him, I was like, dude, I, I'm down to come cast uh, completely. I'm in just, as you know, I haven't played the game as much as I normally have in the past. I'll come give my A best effort. And if you want to watch me encounter first and at least see what I can provide to a, a commentation or to commentating, uh, you can let me know afterwards if you have feedback or if you don't want me anymore. And he was like, I fucking loved it. You're allowed to be unlocked. Say whatever you want. Just come out and put out your best effort. And that, like, inspires me, you know? That, like, it's cool yeah. that someone actually, like, put effort into watching our cast that we had a few weeks ago. Saw that maybe I'm not as brushed up as I used to be, but he was like, I believe in you. Come out and do it. And, like, that's worth its weight in gold, you know? So I'm excited to be with you again, yeah. be in Florida, Miami weather, and just seeing some nerds going at it like crazy. The only problem I have with this is, like, every time I go to an event and I see teams actually playing like teams, I get excited. <laughs> I know what's I get so <laughs> pumped. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe Heroes is back. Maybe... Maybe with my fond memories are back, I'm going to hop into Saluki when I'm instantly every single time just fucking obliterated. You're doing it wrong. You have to just join, you have to just like find a couple of people and join one of those leagues and play once. Yeah, it's just, it's such that's, a commitment. That's what you got to do. And like, it's, I yeah. do so much variety now, but like. Yeah, make it a week, make it a week thing. Make it but a thing, the thing yeah. with Kevin, as I said, is like, uh, he, for example, I, I believe he had never listened to the uh, Heroes of the Storm mid-season broadcasts mm -hmm. uh, between us, and I linked that to him, and he was just totally a fan as well. And the cool thing is, Kevin knows exactly at which areas he totally excels, yeah. And where he ha and then some others he might not be an expert, but he has an opinion on it because he knows what he likes, what he enjoys. Mm. But on other stuff, he just like says like, "Dude, that's your thing. You're Do the your expert. Yeah. Tell me, tell me what you want, and you'll get it." And I'm like. Yeah, but don't you want it first? And I was like, nope, you just tell me what you want. I was like, all right, fair enough. Yeah, so, it's, it's cool. So, like, this is I, a... That's something I love because... Sorry to interrupt you there. No, but go ahead. I had something on an online event, online front with that. I got incredibly lucky with all of the partners that I had in Europe so far because I worked together with Hightech, for example, as a sponsor for Meta Madness. And they came in and with every event, when I pitched them an event and they said, like, uh, we were talking about it, is it in the budget for them? Is it not? But if they said it's in the budget, then they always were telling me, like, yeah, you do you. Mm. It's like, we don't care if you if it's like a day longer or not a day. It's like, we trust you. You do your thing. So there was like no me having to justify every adjustment that we're making in a bracket, in a tournament format um, beforehand. And then I had the same thing happen with Mr. X, who sponsored four seasons of a tournament circuit too. And he initially came to me and said like, look, I hated the HEC went down. I would like to give back to the community a little bit and I have some money here. How about we do a tournament? And I looked at this and I was just like, I can give you a tournament, but with the money that you're trying to invest, it may and you want with the priorities that you have that you want out of it, it makes way more sense if you're doing like seasons and do it like this. And he was just also like, do what you want. Like sure. I trust you. You know what I want. I've watched you for years. I've seen you organize tournaments. These are my priorities. As long as you keep those in mind, set it up as you want. Double check it with me, and that's it. And that's something that with a lot of other partners you might not have you know like that trust that is just there where they are saying like you know what you're doing just do it and you don't have to double check every single detail with me as long as you keep my main priorities in mind and with kevin it's like exactly that it's just like that trust is like hey you know what you're talking about if you tell me that we need this then we need that period that's so awesome to hear like straight up like 
this is as grassroots as it gets. Like, I don't think people understand that. Like, literally, it's at the level of just, like, you guys are hitting the ground running, and you're just essentially in survival mode to a degree, and you guys still come out, and all you're asking for is if you're a fan of the game to show up, right? And that's freaking awesome to me that you guys continue to do that. So I will be there putting on my A game, and I hope to see anyone that hears this podcast will be there as well. That is going to be happening next Friday. Let me give you the exact date. It's going to be uh, October 14th all the way through the 16th. Uh, I believe there's going to be games all day, every day. EU, Korea, and North America all playing. And we have, I think, a couple more people trying to qualify, right? Or we uh, we got everyone locked in? No, we're done. We're we done. Got everyone locked in. in by now, yes. Do and you have a favorite team? Also... I mean, obviously, I'm rooting to an extent for the Europeans, but sure. the Koreans are also interesting because the Koreans are in this weird limbo ever since HGC went down. They always had during HGC, which very few people know, the problem that they didn't have a huge depth of players. They had the best players at the top, mm -hmm. but their player pool wasn't really very, very, very deep. So sure. the farther you went down into their HGC list, there were some, it got pretty eh. And that problem continued after HGC went, uh, Makes like, sense. Left, left the house. So they have some very, very strong players, but now they have only two teams there. So on the one hand, they have still the potential to win the entire thing. But on the other hand, they didn't have as much competition over the last couple of years as, let's say, Europe. So Europe is a little bit more used to the competitive play and had more training in that regard. So that's going to make it very, very interesting. But I would say the battle between 30K washed up and Tempest is most likely going to be the most interesting. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that's what I'm looking forward for in particular. So freaking exciting. All right, guys, that's going to be happening next Friday. So make sure that you're there. Caldor, before we leave, we do a little segment talking about games that we're playing on the side that aren't hot or anything like that. Uh, I've been playing a game called Gundam Evolution, which I have been touting a little bit too much, uh, probably, but it's uh, a niche within a niche. It's Halo gameplay, but in the form of Overwatch, and I freaking love the heck out of it. I want everyone to check it out. It's only in North America right now, Canada and Japan, so eventually it will spread out to other countries. Uh, hopefully Europe will be soon as well. Uh, and I think that game is just freaking fantastic, and I just want to make sure that I mention it once because I've been talking about it everywhere. What about you, man? You've been playing anything else besides Hots? Uh, right now, not really, because tons and tons to do. Because mm -hmm. it's not only the Heroes International, but also uh, I'm pretty much doing consultant work since the start of the year for a company that uh, for Loop Deck who do uh, peripherals for uh, editing, video editing, and also streaming and stuff. So that's been an interesting uh, gigging experience as well but therefore i'm pretty much running two jobs right now so a very little time of extra gameplay but the one game that i'm actually excited for which i have i just haven't played it yet but i i, I bought it it's on my pc and i plan to at least get into it a little bit at Is the it? latest after miami uh monkey island oh i thought you're gonna say god of war because it's been like two years no. you promised me but monkey island's exciting i don't want to <laughs> say it's not okay so two things so first of all just like to say this i tried to buy a ps5 sure i can only get like some bootleg ps5 for like twice the price it's on right PC now, now here, i think isn't which it is ridiculous so you know no no but uh, first i promised you i'm gonna get a ps and i'm gonna get one uh -huh. but it's still on my list i regularly still check and once that they have them widely available i'll get one if i buy uh, it for you on pc will you just play it it's just as good. Uh, I can check it out on PC. I didn't know it was it's on, on PC. It's on now. Steam now. Yeah, they, PlayStation's brought a lot of their single-player stuff uh, straight over to PC now. Horizon, Zero Dawn, incredible. I'll have a look. Yes. Have a look. I, I wasn't aware of that. Yes. Uh, and Monkey Island. Monkey Island, I still remember my dad 
had a 386, mm -hmm. and uh, that was one of the first games that I played when it came out as a little kid, and I had a cassette recorder. And I loved the Monkey Island, like this MIDI music that it's it your has. Humor. Like, it's oh, your humor. It was beyond belief. So damn good. Yeah. It's, it's totally <laughs> you. Like, people who don't but get I... your humor, it's Monkey Island is your humor, if we ever have to describe it. <laughs> a three-headed monkey. Uh... <laughs> Look at you. You're cackling over this video game. <laughs> it's the dumbest shit, but you find it so fucking funny. It's so good. You should stream it, honestly. Yeah. But the thing that I remember is, as a little kid, I went into my dad's computer room and he mm -hmm. was playing this. And I was would record with my tape recorder the music of Monkey Island to play it later in my room because I loved it so much. And that what was a the nerd. First oh my god, yes. you are the most yes, muscular yes. nerd I know in my life. <laughs> and that started me playing all the Monkey Islands, all the Indiana Jones games, Loom, and all these other adventures. So that was that was literally the, 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 like one of my starting games. And uh, yeah, so uh, I'm very, very much looking forward to that because I, I was told that the graphics are a little, like I saw screenshots obviously, mm -hmm. and the graphics are a little bit you need to get used to, but the rest I was told is very much in the spirit of the old game. So uh, that's something that I have that I immediately bought when I heard that it's coming out and I can't wait to just have a bit. I absolutely hope that game delivers for you then because that has got to be the best feeling in the world to revisit a franchise that you freaking grew up with. So I hope yeah. it works out for you. All right, Calador, this is probably getting towards the end of the podcast. Uh, this floor is yours. Where can people find you in case they don't know you for some reason? Pretty much twitch.tv slash Caldor, uh, also Caldor TV on YouTube and Caldor on Twitter. That's pretty much that. And uh, if there's any cyclists out there, Thomas Killian on Strava. He's all about the cycling. Seriously, if you become Dude, friends with him, he will literally me, he will follow you up. You told me back then that I would start racing. I told you I'm not going to do that. And obviously you were right. You're racing uh, now. I, You're too competitive. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> I just had two races or two uh, Grand Fondos, two marchas that I was racing in the last three weeks. How'd you do? In one of, in one of them, I... Uh, I stayed with the second group, I let the front loop go, attacked on the final climb, dropped my entire group and solo to the finish and ended Hell up in, yes. 13th, in 13th place for, out of 250. I was very, very happy. That was and cat then, three, cat two. What was that? What cat was it? We don't have the cat system over okay. here. Okay. So, um, yeah. But uh, last week we had uh, another race. It was the final race of the season. And we had 360 people that started and I ended up uh, number 11. Fuck so, yes, dude. Uh, Congratulations. Happy. Very, very happy. Changed my training routine two months ago and uh -huh. it pays big dividends right now. Uh, so, yeah, I'm super, super excited for that. It's total fun. Love living in Spain and being just able to enjoy the weather and also the racing culture here. Were you walking but, around yeah, with your you... chest bust out? You're like, I'm number 11. What's up? Were you like super well, hyped? I, I, I try to play cool. I try to play cool. <laughs> <laughs> No big deal. No, it's fine, guys. No, it's, it's fine, whatever, guys. guys. But, yeah, it's whatever. It's like, yeah, whatever. I'm just uh, a... Now I'm happy. I'm happy. It's, it's okay. I think I did okay. All right. <laughs> it's amazing. You're so humble. What a humble boy. All right, Calador. Say goodbye to everyone. We'll see you next week in the Miami land. Hopefully, we'll see everybody. Big goodbye from Calador. You got to wave and everything. Show us some muscles. Have a good one, guys. Bye-bye. There it is. <laughs>